Thank you very much, Luke. Always do a superb job up here at the platform. Well, good morning to you all, and welcome once again to our Family Bible Hour. Last week, Matt spoke to us on chapter 11 of the book of the Revelation and challenged us with a very excellent message of things yet to come. And what I appreciate about Matt is he also always encourages the saints whenever he speaks to search the scriptures for themselves to see whether these things be so. And my question is, how many of us do that? How many of us take to heart the messages that are preached from the platform at faith? Those who minister the word of God take a great deal of time and effort and preparation and study and prayer before presenting the messages because we realize the seriousness of the task at hand. In Ezekiel chapter 33 verses 1 to 6, we have a warning to the tribe of Israel that is just as relevant to us, the church, this morning. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people, and say unto them, When I bring the, second, when I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coasts and set him for their watchman, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But, but if the watchman see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. And so this morning I will be doing the first of a series of three messages warning the saints at faith of the dangers that beset us in the area of false teachers and false prophets who have mesmerized the unlearned in Scripture and have made merchandise of them. I fear that many in our little assembly may have also fallen prey to their fancy words and may have also uh, accepted some of the doctrines that they teach, so I feel compelled to sound the trumpet, so to speak, as a warning, so that my conscience might be cleared. And so with those thoughts in mind, let's turn to our main text for this morning, which comes from John chapter 5, verses 39 to 47, and the topic for this morning is sound the trumpet. Hell is real. John chapter 5, verses 39 to 47. <clears throat> Search the scriptures, 
for in them you think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? And may God grant us the grace and the ability to understand the passage before us. But as always, let's begin in a word of prayer. Father, we do thank thee that we have the word of God in our very hands this morning and that thou hast divinely preserved it so that we can trust our souls on its very truth. And we have one who is the truth, the way, and the life, in whom was found no guile, who could not speak a lie, and were delighted to claim him as our Savior this morning. And so it is in his name that we ask for thy guidance and our understanding of the message before us. Amen. In John chapter 5, verse 18, we read the following. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. The Jews, we are told, were so upset with Jesus that they sought to kill him. What a frightening thought. Those whom Christ came to rescue from sin and bondage and hell sought to kill him. The creature seeking the destruction of the Creator. Now there are times when just men have just cause against other men to seek justice or even execution of justice. There are times when men deserve severe punishment for their wicked deeds and heinous crimes against humanity. There are times when the criminal must be separated from the rest of society so that he can cause it no further harm. But here we have no such cause. Here we have a most unique set of circumstances and a most unique person. The very Son of God himself has just healed a lame man in John 5, 1-9. A man who had been bedridden for some 38 years. And so this poor soul, like many others in his condition, was brought regularly to a pool by a sheep market in Jerusalem which was called Bethesda. And at this pool, at certain times of the year, the water was stirred by an angel. And when that water was stirred, it had healing powers. And the scriptures tell us in John chapter 5, verse 4, that whosoever stepped in first was made whole of whatsoever disease he or she had. 
But this poor man who was paralyzed was never able to make it into the pool in time. And so for many years, perhaps even all of his 38 years, he had been brought to this pool in the hope that he would be healed. However, one day when Jesus saw him lying there, Jesus came to him and healed him. And as the man testified to everyone what the Lord had done for him, the Jews became very angry because Jesus had done this on the Sabbath, and so they sought to kill him. You see, these were the religious Jews, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes. These were the Jews who, though through time had changed and altered the doctrines of God into the doctrines of men. They had gradually added things and taken away things until they found themselves at loggerheads with the very Son of God himself when he came. And yet they were no different than the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees of our day. Oh, we may not have these very same orders today, but we do have their types. They are all around us today. They have so departed from the faith once delivered unto the saints that they have formed their own sects, their own doctrines, their own religions, and their own followings. And is it any wonder when the real Son of God appears that they wish to rid themselves of him. For they will not have this man to reign over them, so they too persecute him and kill him by disposing of those who follow him and are faithful to him. Not many years ago, I had a young man come to me while I was working away in my workshop. He came with a false gospel, a false Christ and a false spirit, and all of my efforts to reach him were in vain. He denied the very one who came to give him life. He refused the testimony of Scripture that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, no beginning, no end. The best that he would acknowledge was that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was a God, the Father's first creation. And how saddened I was afterwards. Here was a fine young man in his prime going door to door with conviction, with what he believed was the truth, unknowingly leading countless others down the same path of destruction. And so these Jews sought the more to kill Jesus because he said that God was his father therefore making himself equal with God. In spite of all the clear testimony to the fact, they would not believe. This then brings us to our main text for this morning's message, John five thirty nine to 40 in particular. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. The central thrust of the New Testament is the revelation of Jesus Christ as the very Son of God, 
who came to die for the sins of the whole world so that through him the whole world might be saved. And in spite of testimony after testimony verifying this truth, there are still billions today who refuse to come to him for eternal life. Yet Jesus offered irrefutable proofs as to who he was. And the first testimony which the Bible presents to us in the New Testament is that of John the Baptist, John chapter 5, 33 to 35. Ye sent unto John, and he bare witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. And so the first witness was John the Baptist. Now, though Jesus was not relying on John's testimony to prove who he was, because Jesus knew who he was without a testimony and John's uh, confirmation, but he nonetheless uses John as a testimony against the unbelieving Jews. Because John, as we all know, was the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. And what he prophesied of Christ was true. John the Baptist had a great following. He had a tremendous impact on the minds of the Jewish people. And he was a thorn in the side of all who rejected God's commandments. John the Baptist said of Jesus in John 1, 26-34, when he was baptizing in Bethabara beyond Jordan, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it I am not worthy to unloose. And later the next day John acknowledged to the gathered throng, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And this is he of whom I said, after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, if you've never thought of that statement, what John was saying in he that was before me, John was six months older than Jesus Christ on this earth, but Christ was eternal. And so what he meant by that was he was before me, and he was before anyone who was ever born. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Men had no excuse for not understanding what John the Baptist meant 
by these words. They had no excuse for not understanding that Jesus Christ, who came in the flesh, was nothing short of God incarnate. Yet their sins kept them from acknowledging the truth. They preferred, as it were, darkness to light. So they, that is the religious leaders, rejected John's testimony. But then there was a second testimony, John 5.36, which was the works that Jesus did. Notice, please, that God's principle for proving truth is always in the face of two or three witnesses. And so here we have our second witness, the works of Jesus himself. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. There has never been anyone since the beginning of time who has done what Jesus has done. His works alone should be ample proof of who he is and why he came. No one else has ever been able to still the winds and seas simply by speaking to them, Peace, be still, as he did in Mark 4.39. No one else has ever been able to make a blind man born, uh, uh, make a blind man who was born blind from birth to see again, as Jesus did in John 9.7. No one else has ever been able to walk on water the way Jesus did. In Matthew 14, 26, 27, we read, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. No one else was ever able to take five loaves of bread and two fishes and change them into a large enough portions to feed some 5,000 men with women and children besides and still have 12 baskets left. Matthew 17:20. No one else was ever able to walk this earth and experience the realities of life with all of its afflictions and trials and say that this world has no hold on him or that Satan can't find anything to tempt him with and cause him to sin. Only Jesus could. The scriptures testify to his purity and to his sinlessness time and time again. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And then in 1 Peter 2.22, we read about our Savior, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. And then finally in 1 John 3.5, we are told that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. In other words, he had no sin nature. And could anyone else but Jesus ever have claimed, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. 
This commandment have I received of my Father. And what other man, woman, or child has ever gone to the cross to die in someone else's place as a sin offering? None but Jesus. But the works which Jesus did were still not sufficient for these unbelieving Jews to accept him for who he was. As is the case with millions upon millions today who refuse to accept him. Instead, they sought the more to kill him. And the third testimony to prove that Jesus was who he said he was were the very words of God the Father himself. On at least two separate occasions, God the Father supernaturally intervened audibly to give his approval and his testimony of his only Son. In Matthew 3, verses 16 to 17, just as Jesus was coming out of the waters of baptism, we are given this account. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. There were multitudes who witnessed this most marvelous scene, and yet not everyone believed even this. And the second time that the Father intervened with his personal testimony was in Matthew 17:5 on the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus stood with Peter, James, and John. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. When was there ever any other time that God spoke from the heavens themselves to audibly testify about his son. Never. He did it only when his son was here walking among men, doing what his father sent him to do. And yet there were those who still would not believe. But then we have a fourth testimony to verify that Jesus is indeed who he said he was. And that is the witness of the Old Testament scriptures themselves. In John 5:39, Jesus says, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. These unbelieving Jews, these religious hypocrites who purported to lead people to God, were standing face to face with the Son of the very living God, and they were so rebellious in heart, so sin-ruined and angry, that they were prepared to even kill the one who could save them from their sins. On the other hand, we have the Son who knows the innermost secrets of the heart, standing there before them, his eyes penetrating theirs as he testifies against their unbelieving hearts. You have John's testimony. 
You have my works. You have my Father's own audible testimony. And you have the Old Testament scriptures themselves and you still will not believe. Oh, can you imagine the Savior's heart? Can you imagine his sorrow and his grief? Not many weeks from now he was going to go to the cross for them. And still they have not realized their desperate need. And yet the Savior loved them no less. For we have seen that God's love is unconditional. He loves all sinners, not because of what they do or don't do, but because of who God is. God is love. And so Jesus draws their attention to those Old Testament scriptures again in verse 39. Search the scriptures. Now which scriptures might he be referring to? Why to all of them? For all of them speak of Christ. All of them speak of God working in the lives of his people. All of them speak of the perfect sin offering yet to come. Also, I believe that the Lord was leading them to search the same scriptures that he took the two disciples on the road to Emmaus to. We all remember that account in Luke 24, 25 to 27, when he said, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Surely there were sufficient prophecies even to this point before his cross work that would verify for them the truth of his claims. But perhaps they, like many today, only read and study certain parts of the scriptures, parts that may seem more practical, more useful in everyday life. Perhaps they may have skipped over the parts that spoke of his coming. Perhaps they did not search the scriptures with diligence, earnestly seeking to know the one about whom the scriptures spoke. Perhaps they thought, like so many do today, that if they could quote the scriptures and obey the commandments and make knowledge of the scriptures their goal, rather than knowledge of the one who wrote them, they might have life. And because they had missed him in the Old Testament, they now, when they see him face to face, will not come to him that they might have life. They will not come to the living word, the rock of salvation, the fountain of living waters, the bread of life, the light of the world, because they did not recognize him from the Old Testament scriptures. They did not recognize him from Isaiah's account when he wrote about him in chapter 53, 2-4. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely 
He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Then there was the book of Genesis, and there was Daniel, and Jeremiah, and Hosea, and Malachi. There was ample proof, sufficient evidence pointing to Christ as the promised Messiah, but they would not believe. What more could be done? What more testimony could be given? They would not believe, and they could not believe. There are many like that today. Give us proof, and we will believe. You have the scriptures, says God. Search them diligently, and you will find that they testify of me says the Lord but you won't come to me that you might have life for had you believed Moses ye would have believed me for he wrote of me but if ye believe not his writings how shall ye believe my words oh I trust that everyone here this morning has believed the testimony of scripture and has come to Christ for eternal life for the Bible clearly teaches that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, and that by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for the law is the knowledge, for by the law is the knowledge of sin, Romans 3.20. The Bible also teaches that for by grace are ye all saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast, Ephesians 2, 8-9. Dearly beloved, we must hold fast to that which we have been taught. We must cling to the one who hung on Calvary's tree and continue to believe that he will do all that he said he will do. Unfortunately, today, there is a great falling apart at the seams, so to speak. Many in the churches today are abandoning the faith that was once delivered unto the saints and are turning to another gospel, another Jesus, and another spirit. But the Apostle Paul warns us that there are many who would be calling us to another gospel. In Galatians 1, 6-8, Paul writes, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now those are strong words in our vocabulary. It means, let them be damned. Those are strong words by the Apostle Paul, but they are necessary words. These are times of great deception. Some make the Son of God a creature when they refer to him as the firstborn, as the Jehovah's Witnesses do. Others make the Son the spiritual brother of Lucifer, as do the Mormons, while others have delegated him to second place and made him 
co-redeemer with the Virgin Mary, as do the Catholics. And oh, how we must be vigilant and steadfast today. We must always remember that there is but one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5, and that he is the one whom the scriptures testify of. He and he alone is the one to whom we must come to have life. For he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by him. John 14.6 And so we have come to the end of our sermon for this morning. It is my hope to continue, Lord willing, next time with the topic of false teachers and false prophets in our so-called Christian churches today, and to especially identify those TV evangelists that have deceived and led astray and continue to do so countless millions down the path of destruction and to the place called hell. They parade themselves as champions of truth, but in reality are, as the scripture teaches, ministers of Satan, ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing, who make merchandise of the biblically weak. Jude identifies them as clouds without water, carried about of winds. And I, like Peter, fear that these false evangelists on TV, through their covetousness or greed, have brought in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them. I fear also that our little flock here at faith, unawares, may have been victims of their feigned words and fancy programs and continue to follow them and their teachings, thereby becoming greatly weakened in their own faith. But our time is almost up as always. Before I step down from this platform, I must ask you these very solemn questions. If you were to die today, where would you end up? Would you be in heaven, in the presence of the Lord? Or would you be in hell, the eternal place of torment and suffering? Have you ever truly entrusted your soul to Jesus of the Scriptures, the one whom the Bible calls the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world? For he alone paid the full penalty for your sins and my sins by going to the cross of Calvary and dying in your place and in mine. He alone shed his pure, precious blood to cleanse you, and me from all our sins and is now seated on the right hand of God the Father interceding on your behalf and my behalf and if you are not sure won't you please do so even now while there is still yet some time believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved let's pray Father we thank thee for the word of God for if we had not the word of God, we would be lost and without hope this morning. We would all be doing our own thing. 
we would all be creating God in our own image and we would all end up lost in a place called hell for all eternity but Father we're so thankful this morning that thou didst give to thy people Israel both the Old Testament and the New Testament and that it has been divinely preserved for our admonition, for our learning, for our salvation even to this day. And we pray for this little assembly. Father, thou knowest how weak we are, how little we are, and how totally dependent we are on thee and thy grace. And we pray thee, Lord, protect us from all the false teachings that are besetting us on every quarter. Keep us faithful to what thou hast taught us through thy word and through thy word alone. For we ask it all in our Savior's name and for his glory. Amen.